you. All right, if you need a Bible, raise your hand and these guys will be glad to give you one. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. A little light situation. How many of you enjoyed yesterday's weather? It was nice one. Looks like we're going to have a great week of weather. We need it. As you know, we are, this is Memorial Day weekend, and we are celebrating as a nation the freedom we have. But I do think it's important, not, not just this weekend, but all the time, but this weekend, we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice and gave their lives that we might be free people. That's, uh, we just take that for granted, and it's kind of interesting how it dovetails with what we're talking about here, a series of being free in Christ, but I was thinking about it this week, and if, if you're in the military or, or retired military, you please stand up and allow us to say thank you. I feel like being in the military, you should stand the entire service. You're not going to do that all you dick. All right. I recently did a funeral of a man who was, and I mentioned it to you, I think, in passing a couple of weeks ago. This guy was a World War II veteran. My dad fought in World War II. My dad fought in the Pacific. This guy was at Normandy. He, uh, he was a paratrooper in that uh, famous 570 or 571, whatever. That, he was in that. Had four Purple Hearts. Uh, tremendous individual. And I think about, we talk about that generation and and most of those guys now be in the mid-80s, not older, and, and they die. I was reading an article this morning, as a matter of fact, briefly, talking about 650 of them a day pass away. And I think about, for me, as a baby boomer, how much I owe to those people. That these young guys just, they hit those beaches, particularly thinking about Normandy, realizing we're probably not going to live through the day. And yet they did it so that I, at some point in time in future, could live in a free country. And I should never forget that. I should appreciate that. And every opportunity that I'm given to say thank you, I want to do that. And I think we should, as not just Americans, because we live in a country that's no longer Christian, but God has placed us as Christians in this culture to say we love Jesus Christ and we want to be real. And we appreciate the heritage we have as Americans and the fact that we can free. So if you'll look at your handout, we began a series last week. We're going to be focusing on a lot of different aspects of what it means to be free in Christ, free indeed. What is real freedom? Our acronym for 2013 is to be real, and it means what? Ready? Eager? Alert? I'm glad somebody gets We always, I'm, I'm embarrassed that y'all don't know, what, actually I don't know what it is. Ready? Eager? Alert? Screen helps, doesn't it? And what's the last one? Loving. And then next year our acronym is going to be what? We're going to be real fat for God, because we were fat last year, we're real this year, we'll be real fat next year. So, the idea of being free indeed. What is the real freedom we have as Christians? And I think sometimes we miss what that means. And I want to begin what I just began last week and walking through, looking at what it means that positionally we are declared righteous. We are set free by God when he redeems us and we are his children. And then practically living out that freedom is sometimes where we struggle because everybody has a mindset and a background and a tradition or maybe hangups that they have about what it means to be a Christian and how are you supposed to live? How are you supposed to dress? And how are you supposed to look? How are you supposed to talk? And I was even having a discussion this week with someone and we will get into this next week, why they will not worship with people of a different color. And I thought, man, you got a problem. You call yourself a Christian, you got an issue with that. 
We need to understand what it means when God set us free. Look at John 8, 36 there in your handout. We're going to just mention a couple of things that we did last week and then move on. John 8, 36, Jesus Christ spoke these words. Therefore, if, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And what I want us to get a handle on over the next few weeks is, number one, what does that mean? What, what in the world was Jesus talking about? And number two, what an incredible privilege that is and how we can just realize that amazing peace that comes with being free. We do live in the greatest country in the world. We're American. We are free. But as Christians, we need to understand, I need to understand, you do, that the highest call on my life as a human being is that I'm a Christian. I'm an ambassador for Christ, placed right now in the United States of America to share the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, that anyone I come in contact with can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and be set free. And what an amazing thought that is. Last week we looked at Romans, and we're going to talk more about this in depth in the weeks to come. But those verses there on your handout. Having been set free, you became slaves of righteousness. We talked about positionally, justification, and then practically living it out, sanctification. We're slaves of righteousness. We now choose to do what God would have us do. We are free to do that. But when you were slaves of sin or lost, you were free in regard to righteousness. You weren't living for God. You were living for self. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Well, you see there are the three tenths of salvation. God saved me. God is saving me. And ultimately God will save me. I'm free. And so I don't have to worry about death. I don't have to worry about eternity. I have the peace with God. I'm declared righteous. But I also have available to me the peace of God to live right now with my fruit to holiness, being like God, set apart, sanctified unto him. And how do I live out that? What does it mean that I'm free? 2 Corinthians, the Lord is the, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. You've been set free. The Holy Spirit is in our midst, is in our lives, and we're free in regard to a lot of things, which we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. Galatians, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You were under bondage when you were lost. Don't allow someone, and now that you are free, set free in Christ, don't allow someone to place you under a yoke of bondage. We will be talking about that. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. There was a, a philosophy that was going around, a teaching, and it's still re uh, prevalent today, and it's not called the same thing, but the, but the idea was Jesus has saved me, so I can live any way I want to. Paul said in Romans 6, we'll deal with it again in the weeks and the weeks to come. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You've been set free, live like it. Don't put yourself under bondage. Don't allow someone to put you under bondage. Live under Christ. And notice how he puts it there at the end of Galatians. Through love, unconditional, sacrificial, unselfish love, serve one another. That's what it comes down to as a believer living out the Christian life. I come here to serve you. You go wherever you go. You come here to serve me and to serve each other. We are the body of Christ. As you pray for someone like Stephen Robin Rock, you're serving them. 
as they go and they do what they do for the kingdom of God through Campus Crusade for Christ, they're serving the body of Christ. We benefit from that. Whatever gifts God gives to you, he says, use those on behalf of other believers. Through love, serve one another. So last week we dealt with number one on your outline. We're not going to do that again. You are free to choose the way of truth. So look at verse 30 and let's begin to read and we'll pick up today with number two. Verse 30 of Psalm 119. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. That's what we dealt with last week, that Christ saves me. The Lord gives me a position where I am his child. The God of the universe is my father, not the big guy out there in the sky, not the force. He is the omnipotent creator of the universe. He's my dad, Abba, father. And so I get to choose. And I love the picture of laid out before me. That's a map. We talked about that last week. My goal is I want to be like Christ. Ultimately, I'm going to go home and be with him forever. In the interim, I need direction. God lays it out for me and say, so I follow his map. I cling That means glued to, become a separate entity. I cling to his testimonies. It is my life. So I want to begin today in verse 33 with number two. You're free to choose the way of God's statutes. Notice how he puts it starting in verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. I am free to choose God's way. And he said that, I'm free to choose the way of God's statutes. I want you to notice I walk through this. Look at verse 33. Let's start there. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Teach me. First thing I want you to notice is that he's giving you direction. The way to the end. God's way. All the way to the end. Here's the point. We talked last week a lot about being saved. God frees you from the bondage of sin. You're no longer, your master is no longer sin. When you're lost, that is your master. You get saved, you're given a new master, Jesus Christ. But the old one's still around. He still wants to dominate. He still wants to control because you were his slave. Now you're the slave of Christ. On a daily basis, you've got to choose, who am I going to follow? Who am I going to serve? Who is going to, whose decision, this decision, who am I going to commit myself to? In this arena. Notice how he puts it here. Free to choose to the end, Lord, your statutes, your way. That will help me navigate life's journey. Notice the phrase, to the end. I was saved in 1970. That's a long time ago. I don't know when my end will be, but there is a point in time I will end my life on this planet and I will go home. I'm on the way home. And so the way that I navigate the pathway to going home so that I honor God is through his statutes. I want to know what is God's way to deal with this. What is God's way to get through here? How does God, what is God's way to, to get from here to there, knowing that at some point in time I will reach the end? In the interim, I'm here for him, not me. He saves me to use me for the kingdom's sake till ultimately one day he says, Randy, it's time to come home. 
Now, for me to navigate that pathway, again, we talked last week about the map. You lay it out before me. Then today you see the direction. I want to get from here to there. God's statutes, God's word. Notice the next thing you give, verse 34. Give me understanding. And notice, verse 33, Lord, you teach me. I want to get it from you, Lord. I want to go to your word, get it from you. But second thing, verse 34, give me, Lord, you give. Lord, you teach. Notice how he puts it again. Understanding that I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is really important. So, all right, Lord, first thing I know is I, I see the direction I need to go. You teach me. But now, Lord, give me understanding. Understanding is taking God's wisdom, what I learn, and then applying that in my life daily. I see, Lord, where I need to go. Now, how am I going to get there? You give me understanding, discernment. He gives you the direction, verse 33, and then verse 34, he gives you the discernment. From the word of God, as I apply it, as I internalize it, and I let it change me, then I start making my decisions, my mental comprehension. But notice the way he puts it at the end of verse 34, with my whole heart. And literally what that means in Hebrew is everything that is Randy Lockley, I want to be yours. Like the Romans 12, 1 picture. I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice. The word body means everything that is you. Body, soul, spirit, the triune being that is Randy Lockley or that is you. Say, Lord, here I am. My logical, reasonable response, Paul says, is to give that to God. He says that's your reasonable service of worship. Why is this so important? I need to understand as a Christian and I think so many times this is missed in our culture, particularly sometimes in the evangelical culture. We, we do not focus on the intellectual prowess that we should have as believers. I need to be a student of God's word. I need to understand it with my whole being and then commit my whole being to it. It does not mean you're going to know every single answer to every single question. Guess what? Nobody does except God. But it means you want to. You study. But why? Because if I commit myself to God's statutes and that becomes my roadmap, that becomes my direction, that becomes what I live my life by, I'm going to be more effective for the kingdom of God. I'm going to be a better discerner, make better decisions. I'm going to have understanding of doing things God's way, and I'm going to be more effective for the kingdom. And the result is God will be able to use me. I won't just be floating through life, and if I need God, I'll grab him off the shelf. He is everything. My whole heart, all that I am, Lord, here it is yours. Use it as you see fit. Mental comprehension, discernment, so that I make right decisions that please God. For he allows me to, he is allowed to use me. Look at verse 35. Takes the next step. Verse 33, teach me. Verse 34, give me understanding. Verse 35, make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Love this picture. Say, Lord, I need you to teach me. I need you to give me understanding, discernment. And then, Lord, I want you to make, use me. Make the literal here, it's the word that's used here is if you had a bow and arrow and you take a bow and you bend it, you bend that bow, use it in warfare. You understand what the psalmist is saying here? Lord, teach me. Lord, give me. Now, Lord, use me. I want to be a weapon that you use, Lord, in this warfare this life, the spiritual warfare, I want you, make me, you and my life, take my life, bend it. Another place you see this used, this Hebrew, is the idea of taking a child. Every, every child is an individual. Like Stephen and Rob, we're talking about our, Stephen and Rob, we're talking about our children. I have three children. They have three different personalities. It's called bent, where the word comes from. 
bent. I have two brothers. We, all three of us are totally different. You have a bent. You're an individual. Your children are individuals. You're an individual. And what you're praying here as a believer is, God, take my individuality, take my personality, take my spiritual gifts. Take, like, like Randy, for example. Randy is a knucklehead. Uh, I'm not supposed to use that word anymore, but I use it. Randy is crazy. Randy has no talent, but he can tell a joke every now and then that's funny. So, Lord, if you could find a way to use that, where'd it come from? He gave it to me. Why? To use it. Self-deprecating humor is one of the greatest ways in the world to get people to relax, talk to you, when you can put yourself down in a good way. And it gives me a chance to, I'll talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere, because I care about people. I'm interested in people. So God, if you can find a way to use that, he gave it to me. Bend me, Lord. Bend me. Use me. Wait, I'm thinking about a song for six. Bend me. Use me, Lord, for the sake of the kingdom. Give me, teach me, make me a weapon that you can use. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Very important. The next thing he says, Lord, my desire, incline my heart, cause me. Here's what I want, Lord. I want to long for your word and not to envy what other people have or other people. Again, very important. When I'm set free in Christ, one of the things I need to understand is God has the purpose in me that's different than other people. Now, there are general principles, obviously, and a general purpose church, individual believers within the church. But each one of us, God has something special he wants to do with us. Say, Lord, cause me to focus on that. Cause me to, Lord, look at your word and your statute and say, all right, what is it I could take from this? God, what do you want me to do? Not have me look at someone else and say, I want to be Peter Simons because he can really sing. It's beautiful. I want to be this person because they're just cool. I need to be who I am and let God work in me, the place he has me. Lord, it caused me not to look at other people and want what they have, whether it's material, whether it's uh, power or relationship, whatever it might be. Lord, I need to be what you want me to be, and I need to be where you want me to be. Cause that to happen in my life. Make my desires, Father, for your will, not mine. Look at verse 37. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Well, this is really important. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. The literal Hebrew is, make my eyes pass without noticing evil. I don't know, and this is part of freedom, things that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks, but one of the things, particularly now with the internet and the ready accessibility to anything that you want, and I was talking about this very subject with my brother-in-law Friday night, I think it's Friday night, that how easily accessible things are that you just don't need to be looking at. We were specifically talking about men and pornography, that how readily accessible it is right there in your hand. Anytime you want to look at something you should not look at, it's there. And one of the prayers of your life needs to be, Lord, keep my eyes away from so I don't be looking. And I'm just talking about physically. It could be any number of things. That's why being in the Word of God is so important. That's why you look at other people as how can I serve them, not what I can get from them. How can I love them, not use them? Lord, keep my eyes from looking at things I don't need to be looking at. And the principle would apply to what I listen to. Very important. Some freedom. You've got to be careful with your freedom. We'll talk about it in Galatians. You don't use it in the wrong way. We'll be talking about more about that in the weeks to come. Keep my eyes from, from looking at things evil, that they may pass over. Now look at verse 38. 
Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me. Turn away. Revive me. God, you keep praying, Lord, do this in my life. Do this in my life. Establish your word. Turn away my reproach and revive me in righteousness. Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. And almost inevitably, when you see this in Scripture, it keeps coming back to the word of God. How much time am I going to spend in the Word of God? That silly little thing that I bring up every three months I brought up today, the Our Daily Bread devotional book. As silly as that is, it's a great five minutes to spend five minutes a day in that little devotional book and pray. It will really encourage you. It will challenge you. It will convict you. Five minutes, and it's free. It's there. The Word of God, I told somebody this at um, a funeral that I recently did, and I was sharing with them afterwards. They were really distraught, and I said, I know this is hard on you right now, and I know you're not going to remember what I said here today, but I held my Bible out to him, and I said, you need, I don't know if you have your own Bible, or you get one, and you need to understand that every time you start reading, you're God speaking. He's telling you, I love you. I care about you. I'm here for you. I know you're hurting. I know it's tough, but I'm here for you. I care about you. I've got something special so that this doesn't have to be. You could get past it. You could deal with it, whatever it might be. Because the ultimate fear of people, especially if they're not believers, is death. And the Bible says you're set free by Christ. That one is not a concern for you, that you're going home. So you got that one conquered. Now, how do I deal with the other? The Bible tells you. It's God's love letter. Someone said it's six loving God. It's the truth, not always what you may want to hear at the moment, but it's truth, and it will set you free. Jesus said, free indeed. All right, quickly, let's do number three. You're free to choose the walk of freedom. Free to choose the walk of freedom. You've been set free. Verse 41, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. First thing I want you to notice, verse 41, you're remembering, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. Remembering again, God saved you. God is saving you, and God will save you. He's got you. He'll carry you. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him, which is myself, unto that day. If, if I die and I go stand before God and I don't get into heaven, then it's Jesus' fault because I'm trusting him, not me. I, cannot do, I can't get there any other way. But God, Jesus said, I'm not going to snatch you out of my hand. I got you. I'll carry you to the end. I trust him. I love that passage of 1 Corinthians we share it every Easter where it lists if the dead do not rise, if Christ is not risen, notice all the things it says, you're still in your sins, your faith is futile, what we're doing is worthless, we're wasting our time, and you are to be pitied more than anybody on the planet if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And then verse 20, but now Christ is from the dead. You see, our hope, everything is anchored in the fact Jesus walked out of that tomb. He is who he said he was. He was able to conquer death. And so I, every day, I hope you do this in your prayer life every day. You ought to pray with this verse saying, verse 41, Lord, thank you for my salvation. According to your word, I'm trusting you, not just to save me, but to be exactly who you say you are, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You saved me. Thank you. Boy, look at verse 42, known as the David Hare verse. Verse 42, so shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me? The word reproach means taunts, mocks, makes fun of. Verse 42, if, you, if you're writing your own Bible, you ought to write this little word next to verse 42. It's called apologetics. That's why it's called the David Hare verse. Apologetics. And I love, if you've never read books by a guy named Ravi Zacharias, you need to start reading them. And there are many others. Here's what that verse is saying. How many of you have been, ever been made fun of because you're a Christian? If you haven't, you need to be. 
If you're up front and you're living your, your life, you're living your witness. See, I like being made fun of. Even in high school when I got saved, I like talking about my faith. I carried a Bible. I know I was a geek. I realized that. But I got opportunities. People make fun of you and they laugh at you. You know what? Jesus said, guess what? The world will hate you. Why? Because it hated me first. Expect it. Comes with the territory. Nobody likes to be made fun of. Everybody likes to be liked. But more importantly, everyone needs to be respected. Be who you are. Notice what verse 42 says. I have an answer for him who reproaches. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I was in high school and as a young man, my answer to those who made fun of me, which included my own brothers and my father after I got saved, my answer to them was, that's all right, you're going to hell, and I'm not. Now, that was not right. I'm here to confess that that was not the right response, which, by the way, you still see today. There's a church I recently saw in I don't know, the, I can't remember, but it was in the marquee or a sign, a guy was carrying, God hates fags. Well, I'd draw that view. You'd be attracted to that if you're struggling with homosexuality, wouldn't you? The point is, you have an answer. For those who taunt you, because Jesus said, bless them, pray for them, love them, ask God to bless them. But above all, there are answers. That's why I call it the apologetics verse. When someone says, oh, Jesus can't be the only way, you could begin to share with them why he is the only way. How do you know there's a God? There are answers. How do you know that Jesus is that God? There are answers. Remember all that time we spent last fall dealing with truth? We learn truth because what does truth do? Set you free. And those people that are mocking you, guess what? Deep, deep down, they want to be free. They don't know where the answer is. You do. Verse 42, you have an answer. For those that taunt you, you have an answer, both in how you respond and what the response is. They can be set free. Verse 43, I take not the word of truth, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. I have an answer. Truth leads to hope. Verse 44, I keep your law continually forever and ever. I live it all the time. Verse 45, I walk at liberty. I love this verse. Why do I walk at liberty? Verse 45, I seek your precepts. I walk at liberty. You know what the phrase in Hebrew means at liberty? I love it. It means I walk at ease. I walk at ease. I'm not worried about the future or crazy. My God is sovereign, created. He's already in the, and I am pure in him. I walk at ease. I'm set free. Look at the quote on the bottom of your handout. The only freedom I care about is the freedom to do right. The freedom to do wrong, I'm ready to part with. You're set free. God says, you are mine. I set you free to live your freedom all the time, regularly, daily. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. The point is, you don't know. You don't know in a conversation. You don't know in a relationship. You don't know when you're doing something how God is going to use that. Here's the point. You're set free, and you just live it. You just live it. Not knowing how God is going to use it, you never know. I ran into a girl two weeks ago. I haven't seen, and I've been to church 30, almost 30 years now. I taught her back in the 80s, late 80s, and I haven't seen her since. And she visited here one Sunday. I don't think she knew I was here or she wouldn't have. But I saw her at a hospital, and she said, I want you to know, you said something back when I was in high school really had an impact on And I saw you were head of church. I went, you never know, dude. You never know. In World War II, if you haven't caught on by now, I hope you have. I'm fascinated by, I'm fascinated by what those Toward the end of World War II, the British were conduct conducting daily bombing raids over Berlin. And one night, their group, this is a true story, were attacked by a group of German fighters, and one of the bombers got lost. And while they're flying around over Berlin, they, they heard, of course, there's bullets flying everywhere, they heard five thuds hit their plane. And they knew, that's it. We're gonna, and they saw fuel was just flying out everywhere, and they knew we're going to blow up any minute. Bullets. Well, nothing happened. They got back, and they landed 
And the mechanic went to the plane, was taking the bullets out, and he brought the bullets, the pilots, he needed to see. brought him the five bullets, and they took them apart. And instead of powder in the bullets, there were notes. Here's what the notes said. We're Polish POWs in a German camp, concentration. And when they're not looking, we put this instead of powder. It's all we can do, but we hope it helps. Never know. You never know what an act of kindness, how it will impact someone. You never know what sharing a word of grace will do for someone. You never know the opportunity God might give you to share your freedom with another human being. You're free. You're free. You're a slave of righteousness. It's the highest call you can have on your life. How am I going to do this? You bow your heads. I want to have prayer, and then we're going to close with communion. Father, we thank you that you set us free in Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, for every believer here, we'd understand that we're free. We'd live like free people, free people who are slaves, an oxymoron, free to be a slave of Jesus Christ, a bondservant, one who chooses to serve Jesus. I pray we'd live that way, be excited about the privilege. Father, for somebody here who's not a believer, they'd say, I want to be from the bondage of, they would say yes to Jesus Christ right now. And even as we close out today's service, celebrating the Lord's Supper, that new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ, we pray, Father, Jesus will be glorified in our lives. We pray in his name.